0: Now, 21 minutes past 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, this is SAFM Sports Special, my name is Brad Brown, with you until 7 o'clock this evening, big rugby coming your way at half past 5, it is the Currie Cup final, Western Province hosting the Sharks, uh, replay of last year's final, except this year, it is at Newlands, Western Province, victorious last year. Can they make it two in a row? It's going to be an epic encounter. Really looking forward to it. And while we're on half time in the football, let's chat some rugby. There's a new book out I mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, called The Poisoned Chalice. Uh, it is authored uh, by Gavin Rich who uh, wrote the former Bach coach, Peter de Villiers' best-selling autobiography, Politically Correct? uh, Incorrect. And Gavin Ritter is an award-winning rugby writer. And, uh, yeah, very interesting take on who would want to be uh, a Springbok coach, and it's great to welcome onto the show. Gavin, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Interesting, interesting question. I mean, who would want to be a Springbok rugby coach with everything that goes on on and off the field in South Africa?
1: Well, first thing, Thanks for having me Brad um, Yes, uh, it's, not a, it's not a job that I would look for in a hurry I mean I've covered the Springbok Rugby Since we came back from isolation in 1992 That's why I wrote the book I felt like I had quite a long view of the coaches And all of them, even the, even the successful ones have, have gone through stages where They've wondered whether they've lost it They've wondered whether they uh, might be going crazy In the job where the pressure has really driven them To almost uh, being on the brink of resignation Even somebody like Chris Christie Who went to, uh, through a whole, his whole career undefeated, there were times there even with Kitsch where uh, he, he felt that you know the pressure had really become great and, and there were times when he, or even he threatened to lose it so it's not a job uh, I think for the faint hearted unfortunately a lot of guys only learn that when they're in the job though and, uh, and that's really what the book's all about
0: Gavin, it's interesting you say that even the coaches who were successful ha- have a hard time. That coaching job in South Africa is is a really tough one. I mean, any top rugby job for any country comes with its with its own pressures and and challenges. But for South Africa, there's a lot more to deal with from from the off the pitch side of things. Talk us through. I mean, I mean, you go into it into a lot of depth in the book with regards to some of the issues that that the coaches have to deal with, but it, it's it's something that that's a unique challenge to South Africa and South African rugby.
1: Well, firstly, of course, there was the the, the transition, the period of transition. I'm talking about political transition in this country. And when uh, South African rugby came back from isolation, uh, uh, the country was the pariah of the world. Uh, Nobody really wanted to um, engage with us. And uh, then suddenly, of course, the doors were open when when we started to become politically normalised. Uh, And rugby had always been the... Uh, the sport that you know, the, the majority population hated. Well, the Springboks were the, were the team that they hated because uh, they were uh, very much the sort of, uh, uh, let's say, the sort of flag bearers of, of, of the white population of of the apartheid state. And and uh, so so there was a lot of of that uh, to get over when when the Springboks first came back from isolation. And that's where you know, the, the, the and that sort of. Got the Springbok coaches into a situation. Certainly, the coaches, maybe from Kitch Christie onwards, I think maybe John Williams and uh, and uh, Ian McIntosh were a little bit uh, uh, sort of protected from it right, right in the beginning. But certainly, once we we got to the middle 90s and then into the later 90s, there there was a lot of interference from politicians and and probably rightfully so. Like there was a uh, there was a demand for uh, South African rugby to accelerate transformation, and and as a result of that, the Springbok coaches came under a lot of pressure. But of course, uh, you know, you can't just Accelerate transformation By selecting black players Into the Springbok team You need to uh, For transformation To, to, to happen properly it's, it's got to happen Across all levels And, and, and that was uh, You know That's not really Just up to the Springbok coach You, you can't select uh, A whole lot of new players Into the team If there are only A certain number of black players Playing um, provincial rugby At the time And then of course There were the other pressures That uh, that, 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 that isolation caused uh, South Africa had fallen Behind the international game When uh, we, were, we were isolated uh, We didn't think that we were That's why we took on games Against the All Blacks In Australia right uh, Straight up in 92 And it took a long time For South Africa to catch up I think arguably They're still catching up In, in, in some senses Even though uh, South Africa has won Two World Cups In the last 22 years But it's uh, Yeah it, uh, You know that, that, that was really What I tried to tackle Was that, that expectation From the South African public There was an expectation Certainly From the minority White population uh, For the Springboks To carry on winning uh, When they came back From isolation Just as they had uh, Prior to isolation it was almost like you know this is our chance to sort of uh, make our mark on the world stage I think there was probably more pressure on rugby at that time than there was say on cricket or athletics uh, just because the Springboks had ruled the world before well 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 certainly for 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 parts of the previous hundred years uh, the South Africans and and the, and the all blacks had had been the top uh, rugby nations so you know that, that, that's really um, you know the, the the big pressure that was on this on the springbok coaches was that massive expectation from everybody you've got you got expectation from the politicians you've got expectations from 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 Joe Public, and uh, you've got uh, you know you've got you've got expectations from from so many different pressure groups within the country as well. Even sometimes uh, language groups between English and Afrikaans.
0: Yeah, Gavin, you talk about those expectations one one of the big expectations is from the public and and South Africa is a very passionate uh, rugby nation and not just a rugby nation but a sporting nation and we hate losing so there's obviously a lot of pressures outside political pressures and and, and making sure that the composition of the teams were right but there's there's so many armchair coaches in South Africa who believe that they can choose a better Springbok side than the coaches can and and that puts a lot of pressure on to, to make sure that they're winning week after week Week after week, and and that pressure builds, and and the coaches tend to to go through a really really tough time, and it's it's not exclusive to one coach. So I think they all have gone through it, and, and and you talk about it in your book where where, where they start making crazy decisions and, and start doing really crazy things. Yeah, well, I, I've I've charted the,
1: the the sort of the progression, if you like, of of uh, how it's uh, you know how how the, how the Springbok coaching role is evolving and, and how the pressure is invol- evolving and, and what I really enjoyed about the book was, was we, when I came to Henny Mayer Henny uh, Kamea is still in the job and I almost sort of felt, well, you know, the the, the chapter on Hanika is almost a filler chapter because I've got to do Hanika, but you know, he's not finished the job, so I can't do a proper assessment of him. And but but when I spoke to Hanika, he spoke about the massive pressure that he now has from social media, which which previous coaches probably did, well they didn't have because social media didn't exist. Uh, you know, his kids go to school now, and I think Jake White had, the, had probably had the first experience of this, where where his kids, if I remember correctly, uh, were given a hard time when they were at school by 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 his by, by the peers and, and Hanneke just you know he, he talks about the, the massive pressure that now comes because it's no longer just uh, guys like myself the journalists who, who have the opinion and, and it's not just around the bribe that, that, that the opinions are being expressed and Springbot Rugby is being debated it's now being debated by 14 year olds with cell phones who are on Twitter and you know everybody now in a sense has become a journalist so um, so, 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 there are actually new, new, new pressures on, on the Springbok coach but I'm not sure if I'm actually really answering your question um, there just have been Massive pressures on on the coaches And and, and Ian McIntosh Talks about um, how he was called by Jake White uh, after Jake White came from back from his first tour where Jake White was relatively successful they didn't win their games against Australia and New Zealand but both of them if I remember correctly they, they lost very narrowly Cloud Rathbone won, won a game the, the Australian game right at the end and uh, there was just a late try if I recall correctly against against New, against New Zealand and in the first time that Jake played against the All Blacks uh, but he came back and according to Ian McIntosh he was absolutely ashen uh, he called, he called uh, Mac, uh, Mac of course living in Durban and and, and uh, Jake at the time living in Cape Town and, and said, you know, what do I do and, and, and Mac came, came, Macintosh came down to Cape Town to speak to Jake White and apparently he was white and shaking like a le- like a, well, you know, his face was very pale and he was shaking like a leaf and, and Macintosh had to almost sort of like, you know act as a psychologist to him for, for the day and, and, and get him right and say, listen, you know you will have the pressure and you will be lonely in this job Macintosh actually in the very first chapter of the book I, I quote him as saying that nobody er- understands the Loneliness of the job until you actually take the job, and and he he was actually told that by uh, Cecil Moss, who was a coach during the isolation era when he first got appointed to the job. So yeah, you know, there there, there's, there is massive pressure, and I don't believe that there is that same pressure on on the coaches of the other national on the other national teams in this in this country, and and certainly not um, that sort of pressure on the coaches uh, of rugby teams from from the overseas nations. Okay, New Zealand are absolutely. Th-